Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. Welcome. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling much better for this one than I was on the boat last week. Yeah. I was on the boat. I was a little under the weather. You're seasick. No, no, no. I was congested. (laughs) Whatever. Same thing. So a couple things. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, Ryan at twopraise.net. You guys can uh, go to our website if you want to live stream our services, look at our statement of beliefs. Uh, We were just looking at it, look at our calendar of events, uh, any of that kind of stuff. And then there's also a donate button on there. So for those of you that are supporting our ministry, uh, we just want to say thank you. God bless you. We really appreciate that you help uh, keep this thing going. And we encourage those of you that uh, that are listening to do it as well. Uh, and then also we encourage you guys to give us reviews. Um, you know, if this is your first time listening to this, by the time you're done with this podcast, hopefully you've gotten enough out of it to where you're just motivated and compelled at that point to go on to iTunes or whatever app you're using to listen to this podcast and leave us a review and just tell the world and share it on your social media platforms and stuff like that, Instagram, Facebook, and the like. So... This week we are studying the Torah portion Lech Lecha, which means get yourself out. And that can be found in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And it goes all the way through chapter 17 and verse 27. How exciting it is, Ryan, as we break down this particular book of Genesis. Chapters 1 through 10 is the race as a whole. And then, of course, chapters 12 to 50 is the family of Abraham. That's right. We're going to be getting into Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph in the book of Genesis. And of course, a key phrase found in the book of Genesis, which is the book of beginnings, a key phrase is, these are the generations of. Very interesting, isn't it? So we're uh, going to hit Abraham right out of the gate here. Uh, Of course, we know that his original name was Abram. His name will be changed as we will reflect on this later. But uh, Ryan's going to go ahead and read Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. God calls Abram. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto a place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. 
and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Wow, here we go. Here we go. We've got Abram and Sarai, you know. So uh, what three things did God ask Abram to leave? Uh, that's going to be in uh, verse 1. It says to leave uh, your country, your kindred, and your father's house. Wow. His country, his relatives, and his father's house. And, of course, we know that he comes from the Chaldeans or the land of Ur. Uh, and, of course, that would be the modern-day country of Iraq today. Uh, and, of course, Ur is where Babylon is, Nineveh. Yep. All these places. Yeah, so it's all, it's all in that it. same area. So, uh, you know, uh, as we look at this, there's incredible things happening. And what four things did God say that he would do for Abram in Genesis 12? To what four things did God say that he would do for Abram? So this is good stuff because I think these we can definitely say came to pass. So it says, make him a great nation, bless him, make his name great, and be a blessing. Wow, make him a great nation, bless him, make his name great, and be a blessing. And then, of course, it goes on to say in Genesis 12, 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, or grafted in. I mean, think about it, you know. Uh, as we let Scripture interpret Scripture, just a little reminder, as I am going to read to you in Joshua, chapter 24, verse 2, uh, let Scripture interpret Scripture in regards to our family tree here uh, in Abraham. It says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nehor, and they served other gods. Mm. So now we're going to get into a monotheistic god fearing God, serving people here, uh, one God. And uh, once again, it's interesting that, um, of course, Terah was with the family and everything, but what happened is uh, in Haran, uh, we have uh, Terah dies, and the journey continued. So for some reason, they were kind of stalled in, in Haran, right? And uh, they had to make their way south. It was time now. You know, it's interesting. When, when, when something dies, something is birthed. Right. You know, uh, when my father-in-law passed away, um, he didn't preach one message from the pulpit, but he got everything set up. And, and of course, when he passed away, um, he handed it over to me. But the thing was, you know, a bait to heal was literally birthed on five acres with, the, you know, with the uh, modular and everything and the, and the property and the, and the storehouse. And so once again, you know, when something uh, dies, something is birthed. You know, after the Jews came out of the Holocaust, a nation was born. You know, beauty for ashes, literally, ashes, uh, because of the ovens and everything. If you think about it, beauty for ashes, literally. And so, once again, when something dies, something lives, something is birthed. And we can see this actually taking place uh, even in this particular story. So, you know, it, it's something to think about as we develop this story. And once again, it's about the family tree. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran to enter the land of Canaan. He was 75 years old. Um, and then, of course, we've got uh, Abram brought Sarai, his wife, Lot, his nephew, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, 
along with all their substance into the land of Canaan. So people were actually being born within his house, his servants, the souls that they had gotten in Haran. You know, it's kind of like with Beit Tehillah. You know, we have a variety of people and ethnic groups here at Beit Tehillah that have come and joined us uh, throughout the years. It's interesting, you know, they say if someone has been with you for eight years, they're usually going to stay. Those people that have been with you for eight years or more. What about six? Um, it's eight years, right? What's the stats on six? I, mean, I haven't really looked into that, but we could do some kind of a demographic <laughs> pie chart on, this, on, the, on the sixers versus the eighters. Um, now, the first place that Abram came to was Sikkim in the plain of Moreh, uh, Genesis 12, 7. And, uh, and so we're going to read Genesis 12, 7, Ryan. Go ahead and read that verse. That's a very important <clears throat> verse. Oh, it's a great verse. It says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So what was the first thing that God promised Abram? Um, let me think. Um, land. The land. Wow. So think about it, everyone. I know as Christians, we know that it, it says in Galatians 3.29. Uh, well, that he also says here, right, he'll make him a great nation and bless absolutely. him. Absolutely. Right? But I think... I think when it that's the that's the the thirty thousand foot view of the blessing. But then, what's the substance? How is God going to do it? Well, by the way, this is the land that I'm going to use. In Very order. interesting. This is a tool. You know, and if you think about an empire, a kingdom, or a king, you know, he needs geographically speaking, he needs a land. If you have a king, he needs land. We have people that need to be. Yeah, you can't somewhere. be a king without land or subjects, and and you need a constitution and all these things. And so once again, uh, we're seeing this being played out even today in the earth, which is very very interesting, uh, as Israel is a hotbed uh, for news stories and uh, for prophecies. Oh show. And so, uh, what about this, Ryan? Can you relate how God has moved you when you became born again and learned the truth of God's word? So how can you relate to how you had to make a move? when you became born again, and then, of course, you know, learning your Hebrew roots. But what, what stands out to you? What little story stands out to you? Because, hey, you know, I became born again. Now my life was changed. Right. Or I got my Hebrew roots. How was your life changed? Either one you could kind of share. Quickly. Yeah, I mean, both in both ways. Um, you know, I could think of one instance. Uh, we moved to Naples for a year, my wife and I, with our three-month-old baby boy. And uh, one of the things that happened there is we literally, you know, we dried up. We couldn't find a church. And so we ended up coming back simply because we couldn't find it. I would say that was maybe the main driving force because we were going to a great church, uh, Bible-believing church when we left. Um, and when we got there, it was, it was you know, all these kind of, um, you know, large mega denominational churches, a lot of transplant people from up north go down there and vacation and things like that. So there's your, your big Greek Orthodox, your big Catholic church, your big First Baptist. Snowbirds. And, right. And so... Um, you know, we just never found a place to, to really fit in, and so we ended up coming back. Um, and it was tough, because we, we went to a lot of different places trying to find a, a church that we could fit into. Just didn't work for you. Just didn't work. So we ended up coming back, and uh, and then, you know, finding the Hebrew roots, man, I mean, let me tell you, I remember, um, you know, we our, our kind of story is we came into the Hebrew roots through, um, you know, a teaching. We canceled the cable, and some of you may have heard my story before, but... Um, we canceled the cable, so we were watching a bunch of teachings, and we stumbled upon one about the the pagan roots of of the you know traditional Christian holidays. Truth or tradition? Truth or tradition, right? Very good. And um, you know what ended up happening is I understood as a basic Christian, hey, pagan ways bad, Bible ways good, you know. And so when you have somebody lay something out like an attorney, and they say, hey, here's all the points. This is the, you know the substance. This is the proof text. This is the source material, and they tell you. 
on and you when you finish there there's no doubt that's been left on the subject you have a decision to make what is my faith based on am i going to make take action on what i've been given or am i not going to and so i remember that being a big deal and of course we thought we were crazy like we're the only ones doing this there's nobody else doing this and lo and behold here's bait to gila that we were welcomed to with open arms and even they put up with us while we're trying to figure out you know whether or not Paul was schizophrenic and if the tour is relevant. What does it say? Stuff. Paul says in Romans, he places the members where he wants. That's right. Sure you know, does. basically what, what, what that means is God tells you where to go to church. He shows you where to go to church. Amen. Yeah. Uh, very interesting uh, point here. Abram was forced to go into Egypt because of famine. Genesis twelve ten. Uh, Mr. Tom Postpacal brought out a point as we were talking yesterday before we started our small group tour study at church. He was reminding me and showing me that, hey, you know, God didn't tell Abram to go to Egypt. So, you know, some Ooh. things are going to happen here in Egypt that maybe aren't very kosher because, you know, he's, he's making the move. It actually says, and there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So he hightailed it, went, went south, went down to Egypt, you know. It's interesting, the population of Egypt, if, if I'm not mistaken, is about 90 million right now. So imagine 90 million people underneath little old Israel, the size of New Jersey. Yeah. 90 million Egyptians. Think about that. Yeah, no, that's that's going down to Egypt. Um, you know, it, it, you're right. It doesn't say that uh, God told him to go to Egypt. Which but, is a good point. But it does create a an archetype for future events, right? There's a lot of other going down to Egypt. Oh, you always go happen. down to Egypt and you go up to Jerusalem. Yep. So this is what happens. Abram tells Sarai, his wife, to say that she is his sister because he was afraid for his life. Now, that's a half truth or a half lie. Theoretically, it was his sister. His half-sister, yeah. From a different father. Yeah, it's a lie through omission. I mean, for my, we have to look at the genealogy, but that's something interesting. So Sarai was taken into Pharaoh because she was very fair, and Abram was given livestock and servants. You know, she was 65 years old or more at this point. 65. So Pharaoh was so impressed she with her beauty. She was a hottie. Beauty. She's beautiful. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. She was a hottie. Fair. <laughs> that's the King James. But it, and she was fair, meaning she was foxy. But she's know. somewhere between 65 and 70 years old at that point. She was beautiful. That's Amen. incredible. I think all the righteous women are beautiful. Look at that. Yeah, all the righteous women <laughs> are beautiful. So God plagued Pharaoh in his house because Sarai was Abram's wife. Now, <laughs> Pharaoh got upset with Abram for not telling the truth. Can you imagine that? And sent him away with all that he had. Go on, get out of here, man. Beat it. Go on. And so all, all of a sudden now we're going to get into uh, the separation of Abram and Lot. We're going to go ahead and read a, a few verses here. Ryan's going to go ahead and get into the, uh, the reason for the separation of Abram and Lot in Genesis chapter 13, verses 6 and 7. All right, here it says, in the, Lord, or, sorry, in the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Wow. There it is. So once again, they had a lot of substance. They were very wealthy, well-to-do. And, uh, you know, of course, they accumulated a lot of up in Haran, you know. And, uh, and now with Pharaoh, he got some more stuff. So, so he's going to leave. And, uh, and, of course, it says right here, there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Uh, and, of course, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled the, then in the land. So once again, trying to find grazing for their animals uh, wasn't possible. 
you know, it's uh, first first come, first nibble, you know, and uh, there wasn't a lot of nibbling. So I think that and also like at up. the end of the night when they're, you know, herding the animals back into a pen or something like that, they're like, no, that one was mine. No, that one was mine. You know, and they kind of have some strife that way, too. That's true. That's true. You, you, could, you could have had that. So, so you know, so, so Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Once again, Abraham was not. Uh, a very forceful person. Right. He was kind of laid back in that regard. You know, he wasn't very... Uh, well, he says well, here, right? I mean, it says in, in verse 8, it says, uh, um, you know, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between you and me and between our herdsmen, right? But then in verse 9, it says, if you'll take the left hand, I will go right, or if thou depart to the right hand, I'll take the left. So he, he you know, he really honors a lot here and says, you know, whichever, whichever, you know, if you want the choice land, you know, you take the best of the best, whatever it is that you want, you go get it and I'll go the other way. You know, it's interesting when you have family members or different people in your group, you know, you have, you have to follow the vision. And so Abram, I think is, is just going with the flow right now. He's, he's left her, he's left Haran. Now he's in the land. He's open for possibilities here. And, you know, I got to hand it to Abram for taking in his nephew lot. You know, that was his brother's son who had passed away and, and he took him in, you know? And so once again, you know, uh, that, that can work out for you. And, uh, and so of course we have, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 13 verses 14 through 17. I want Ryan to read that because the Lord told Abram that all the land that he could see was going to be given to him and his seed, which cannot be numbered. So Genesis chapter 13, uh, verses 14 through 17. These are very important verses for those of you that are listening because, uh, if you are the seed of Abraham, you need to pay attention. Uh, well, only for the seed. If you're not the seed of Abraham, you can uh, close your ears. So here it says, And the Lord said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. So here we go. So Abram is going to, you know, dwell in the plain of Mamre in verse 18 of chapter 13, which is Hebron, which is Hebron today. So it's very interesting, uh, geographically speaking, uh, Hebron's an old city then. Um so here we have, you know, uh, he says, hey, listen, Abram, you're going to have a bunch of descendants you can't even count, and they're going to get the land. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. So, see, you can kind of count the Jewish people. You know, we can count how many Jewish people are in the world. It's less than 1% of the population of the world. But here he's saying, you cannot count the seed of Abraham. Mm. You can't count the seed of Abraham. So there must be some more people out there. What, then? like the sand of the seas, the stars in the sky? You know, we're going to get yeah. into that as well. So that's, of course, chapter 13. That's that's quite exciting. So wait, for... wait, wait. Where is that in the New Testament? What's that? The This whole Abraham seed. Like, how how how, how do we get Galatians be... 3.29, do you have it? So if I turn to Galatians... Galatians 3.29 will, that's will in help the New... you a little bit. That's in the New Testament? I believe so, yes. Yeah. The Galatians. So that's a letter Chapter 3, Paul. verse 29... So there's a couple places in here yeah. uh, that um, it says, so verse, um, verses uh, 6 and 7 allude to the, what we just read. It says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And so it is by faith that we become righteous and faith that we become the seed of Abraham. And then when you bump down to 29, it says, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And the promise is epigelia, a divine assurance of good. See, you can't think of it as like a fleshly inheritance. 
it's spiritual. It's a spiritual inheritance, a divine assurance of good. So think about that. Uh, I've had the opportunity to visit Hebron. It was incredible to go to see the burial place of the matriarchs and patriarchs. You shy flesh, you're causing the mamas and the papas. It, let me tell you something. <laughs> I mean, my knees started, you know, getting weak when I was in that place, you know, thinking about the, the, the importance and everything. So now we're going to get into the battle of the kings and Abram rescues Lot. This is, of course, Genesis chapter 14. Uh, everything's important. We're going to Topically, kind of go over this. So King Chedor Laomer of Elam ruled for 12 years. And in the 13th year, there was a rebellion. So once again, uh, Chedor Laomer of Elam, he ruled for 12 years. And in the 13th year, there was a rebellion. Now, the ratio of kings versus kings in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah was four to five. Four to five, okay? And uh, the four kings, led by King Chador Laomer, defeated the five other kings and took Lot from Sodom. Uh-oh. He took him. You know, and so there's trouble in doggy land, you know, because remember, um, Lot had pitched his tent towards Sodom. Next thing you know, he's in the city. He's taken uh, along with other people. And, of course, uh, one of the people who escaped the four kings came to Abram, the Hebrew, to tell him about Lot's capture. So here we have a great question. What is the root meaning of the word Hebrew, Ryan? Mm, well, this would be the Strong's uh, 5680, Ivri in Hebrew, which means to cross over. So he crossed the Euphrates River, but he had to cross the Jordan River. That's very interesting. To cross over, that's what a Hebrew means, to cross over. So if you look at Abram today, and you were to look at him as an ethnic group, he would be a modern-day Iraqi today. Mm. He would be an Iraqi. Uh, he would be a Gentile. He's, he's, he's a Hebrew. He crossed over. For those of you listening, have you crossed over? Check it out. Very exciting. Abram was very successful. He, he's going to be uh, showing us some, some, some qualities here that, that most people didn't even think about. But, so Abram had 318 trained servants born in his house and armed to go and to bring back Lot. Man, that's, I mean... That's a lot of people born in his house. Yeah, I would you know say so. when when we look at Beit Tehila, Ryan, most of our children here actually have been birthed from within. We we we've birthed the congregation. Yeah, you know you can't just put an ad in the paper. Hey, come bring your kids. Well, all we're of the children kids. were definitely birthed. They were definitely birthed. <laughs> they were birthers, and so, but three hundred eighteen trained servants. Like this is a militia. It is. And he defeated King Chedorlaomer to get the people back. Yeah, well, he smote the captives at Haran, which is then on the left hand of Damascus. You know, and there's a big debate of how far did he have to go. Uh, if you look at the Dead Sea of that area, Sodom and Gomorrah, to the Damascus of Syria, it's it's 200 miles. Yeah, and Damascus is actually one of the oldest civilizations, uh, as far as archaeology goes, uh, that they've discovered. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you know, <coughs> oh. Um, the just like we talked in the last podcast about Noah being a Zadik, Abram is a Zadik, right? So he's a, a righteous man. You know, he grows up in an area that is, uh, you know, filled with pagan idolatry, and it really is the the status quo. Pagan idolatry is the status quo. It's just kind of the way things are, the way things are done, what people believe, and so he's going against the grain. And so some of this idea that he's a Hebrew, he's the first Hebrew that he's crossed over is because he's the first one that crosses over from this polytheistic ideology into the, the belief in the one true God, um, you know, as far as these, these people groups, and he's the one that comes out of it. So 
when we ask the question, hey, have you crossed over? That's a big, important question there. But because he's this preacher of righteousness, people flock to him. So he has disciples. So when it says that all the souls they got in Haran, you know, there's a lot of people that are, are not just necessarily him, of yeah. his family. They have joined him and said, well, wherever you're going. grafted in. Right. I'm going. Exactly right. And so um, they follow him all the way down. And I mean, listen, some of these travels are pretty far. I mean, 200 miles is, is nothing to shake a stick at when you're walking by foot or by camel or whatever. Um, and... And so now we get to this part where um, you have these kings and they're they're fighting, and then you get to the point where now he's going to have to travel 200 miles to go and and, and basically fight, um, you know, these other people groups, these other kingdoms. Uh, I mean, how awesome is it that he comes in with his people, right? He has 318 trained in his house. This is because these people have followed and armed. him. Right, and they've had children, and then they've stayed with him for years and years and years, and now he's got 318 they had people. concealed weapons permits. He's a village or a kingdom unto himself. Abram's militia. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I was just thinking, if you could do a mile a minute in a car, 200 miles would take you how long in a car if Abram had a... Two, what, two and a half car. hours? Two, two, almost three hours? 60, 120, 180, about three hours three and hours. 20 minutes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe three, three hours. Hour. He would have loved that. Yeah. Hey, let's all get in our van. We're gonna go get lot, so so three hours and twenty minutes. What would it take to for a straight line? Probably. So uh, Abram brought back Lot and all the goods and the people. Wow, he's a hero. So he's confident. You know, you think he's all kind of laid back, but they say you got to watch out for the quiet people. Yeah. But he uh, he took the initiative, boy. And, and I tell you, you talk about a, a, a blood is thicker than water, man. He 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 went after uh, to get back his nephew and everything, and he did the right thing. And, of course, uh, Abram had an encounter uh, on the way back from his victory over King Shador Laomer. He, he runs into the king of Salem, Melchizedek. So what do you think, Ryan? You want to read a, a few verses there? Yes, yeah, so it we says are in, here. Actually, uh, we're in chapter uh, 14. 14. 17. If you want to go ahead and read 17 to 20. All right, here it says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him and in the valley of Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. You know, as we look at the order of Melchizedek, this is not the order of the priesthood of Levi. No. But it's Melchizedek, which is another order, a higher order, and we, we don't want to get into all that. But the bottom line is this. Ryan can share a few thoughts. But what I see here is a theophany of Yeshua. Mm. You know, because here we have, of course, uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, or Jerusalem, brought forth bread and wine. Boy, isn't that a picture of, like, communion or Friday night Shabbat? Think about it. Bread and wine. And uh, here's a principle right here. Abram gave him tithes of all. Yeah. A Abram gave this particular gentleman 10%, a tithe. Yeah. There's a principle right there. Kind of like the principle of clean and unclean, you know, in Noah's Ark. You know, th there were clean animals and there were unclean animals. So yeah. once again, here's a principle that we should all look at, uh, once again, as a principle. So I think this is an interesting uh, story uh, because Abram actually receives this incredible revelation to go down into the land, to begin to do the things he's got to do. He, he gets this little side 
trip to Egypt. He gets back on course in the land. And next thing you know, uh, he's got to help his family. Family gets in trouble, comes to their rescue, comes to their aid. And then, of course, he makes his way after uh, a great, great victory. And he runs into Melchizedek, the, the king of Salem, uh, who has bread and wine. And, of course, the response was, hey, you know, uh, Abram is going to give a tithe 10%. What an interesting storyline. Uh, it's kind of a picture of our lives as well. You know, uh, as we as we look at what we're going through, we can see this. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, um, uh, Abram has integrity here because it says right here in uh, Genesis 14, 21. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Yeah. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet. And that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Yeah. Wow, that's good. So he's, he's given everything back. He says, it's not mine. I took it back. Take your portion. I'm not taking any of it. Just so you cannot say that, hey. I made I made you rich. Well, and these are some some spiritual principles built into that as well. Um, back up here to to Melchizedek. You know, Melchizedek um, the name means king of righteousness. So, like we've been mentioning about um, you know Enoch and uh, Seth and you know Noah, these characters throughout the Bible and how this line of of, of Zadiks, these righteous men or these preachers of righteousness, and now we run into Melchizedek. And if Melchizedek is the king Zadik, right, one would think that, that we would have been pushing now, turning the story to talk about Melchizedek, but yet Melchizedek is a mystery. It is a mystery. And so this lends a lot of credence to our, our theory that it's a, a theophany of Yeshua, that this is, you know, the messenger of God, you know, come down uh, to meet with Abram, uh, rather than it being, um, you know, some uh, terrestrial king in Salem, right, which is which is present-day Jerusalem. So I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, the spiritual principle of not allowing yourself to get tied up monetarily with somebody that people are going to have something over you and that you'll feel like you owe them something. Think about politics uh, today. You know, whether you like it or not, money and politics, no matter how righteous a person may seem, um, you know, a big job of somebody that's a candidate for some office is to go and raise money for their candidacy. And what do they do? They they generally right go to the people that they already agree with and say, hey, listen, you know, um, I'm already fighting for your cause because I believe in this and this is the thing that I'm picking up. You know, can you support my campaign in order for me to get the word out and get my votes and all that? Um, but unfortunately, what happens is in reverse is these people come and lobby and then they give gifts and they you know donate to the campaign and they you know start up packs and we all know the present day way it goes. But essentially. You know, Abram is making the decision here that, you know what, I did this to go and get my brother, my brother's son Lot. That's the reason that I did it. I don't need anything. You know, I just saved these people. That's all That's we right. need. We don't need your wealth. That's right. You keep that. So that way you can't have He was have secure in who he was and what he had and, right. and what he was given. You know, what comes to mind is when Korah's rebellion happens in Numbers 16. This is something interesting. Moses makes a statement here and he says, And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. 
I have not taken one donkey from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Mm. Meaning that he was on the up and up. He had integrity. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't taking bribes or, or anything like that. Uh, and that was, of course, in regards to uh, Dathan and Abiram would not even appear before Moses or whatever. And so he's saying, hey, listen, I got a clean slate. You know, which is which is not what we can say for our leadership today. No, but I wish we could. But there's a lot of controversy, a lot of stuff happening. So uh, let's check out uh, Genesis chapter 15. Ryan's going to read verses one through seven. We just got to really get into this. God's covenant with Abram. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verses one through seven. That's going to really kick off. After these were after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying. Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is thine heir, uh, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Wow, check this out. So Abram's steward was Eliezer of Damascus. That was his steward. He figured that was his heir, which was not his, of course, biological, you know, member of his family. Uh, and Abram's main concern was that he was childless, you know. Yeah. But the Lord told Abram that a child shall come from his own bowels. Wow. He was told that a child will come from his own bowels. And of course, in Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So it's kind of like, think about what he believed, Ryan. He actually believed that God would give him a son. So they said, okay, that's righteousness. Because you believe that the Father will do this for you, it's counted to you as righteousness. Yeah. That you believe in the Lord. Nothing worse than not believing in the Lord. How could it be righteousness then? Because think about it, right? Righteousness comes from him. It's not our righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Think about that. Our righteousness, our way of doing things, our thought process. But his thought process, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So when you break this down, the family of God is, is bigger than we know it, Ryan. And that is our righteousness. So when I say things like, you know, do you believe that the whole house of Israel is made up of nothing but Jews? How could you answer that and say yes? There's no righteousness. Yeah, of course not. Because you're leaving people out. What You're leaving out God's ways, his thoughts, his plan of redemption. That's why even Paul knew this. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, and he was sent to the Gentiles to pull out of people for his namesake, for God's namesake, for those that would come, for those that would do it, you know? And I think it's interesting as we see how many people come out of the nations that are not Jewish that feel like they're part of the commonwealth of Israel through Yeshua in Ephesians 2. Yeah. Once we were far away, he has brought us near uh, because of Christ, Yeshua. You know, And so we're not replacing anybody. We're just part of the plan. So think about that, everyone. If you believe that you are part of the commonwealth of Israel, you are grafted in. You don't have to be Jewish. You're a wild branch. 
And you have to understand that. And this is your faith, and this is where we're at. And so this is, this is really incredible. This is actually even quoted in Romans 4.3 with Paul. And so as this is all developed, and it's counted to him as righteousness, now God can move into the covenant, the covenant mode here. And so right. uh, what happens is God's going to enter into a covenant with Abram to show that he's going to inherit the land with a seed that cannot be counted. So everybody listening to this podcast, if you love Israel and you've been to Israel or you want to go to Israel, this is definitely up your alley. This is perfectly appropriate for you. This is perfect, okay? This is exactly what's going down right now. Why am I drawn to Israel? Why am I praying for the peace of Jerusalem? Because you are the seed of Abraham. You are part of the promise, you know, it's interesting uh, in the uh, Christians United for Israel organization with John Hagee as its founder, it's my understanding they have over 6 million members. Imagine that. Christians United for Israel, 6 million members. So the animals that were used to confirm God's covenant with Abram was a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Okay, and all the animals were divided except the birds. Okay, so now he's he's in agreement. He believes in God. It's counted to him for righteousness, his seed in the land. And after Abram drove the fowls away from the carcasses, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon him. Man. Now look what happened when Adam, remember when Adam was sleeping? That's right. God took a rib out. That's right. He created woman. Yeah. Woman. Good stuff. Now, God said that Abram's seed would be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they would be afflicted for 400 years. Now, why does God give this prophecy, Ryan? Because he's God. He's God. He tells us things in advance to prove that he is God. Our Bible, one third of our Bible is prophecies. And Peter even mentions this, that prophecies are of no private interpretation. So, when the sun went down, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces of the sacrifice. So it's like, if you don't keep this covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to you. The greater vessel is God. The lesser vessel is Abram. So once again, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces of the sacrifice. Wow. That's incredible. If you don't keep this covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to you. Think about that. So in the same day, in Genesis 15, 18, in the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So that's so the covenant. Geographically wow. speaking, this is actually the dimensions of even the, uh, the Garden of Eden. Wow, yeah, that's a big... That's, so that's way bigger than present-day Israel. It's, it's, it's pretty big, yeah. yeah. So uh, the question is, can New Testament believers in Yeshua... Uh, be counted as the seed of Abraham and get the land. You know, I have faith. And I know that the political climate and maybe, um, you know, just doesn't lend itself well to us saying, hey, let's go to Israel right now and live there. But ultimately, it is the place that, that God has allotted for the seed of Abraham. And I believe that we are grafted in, that we are the seed of Abraham. And so if it's as big as it says it is, right, that, you know, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, I mean, all of that land is being given to the descendants of Abraham. That's a pretty good chunk of land to be the covenant land, right? Because the covenant yeah. goes from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and so on and so forth. Um, 
I, I don't know. I just, I have faith. I believe. You know, it, you got to live somewhere. Think about it, everybody. I love Romans 9, 8. Check this out. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Come on. So what's happening, what's in, in, encapsulated within this storyline of Abram and the, the land and the seed and the, and the descendants, Ryan, is this promise. So contained within that is the seed and the land and, and, the, and the promise encapsulates all of this. So like you don't have to prove your genealogy. You yeah. Know? You have to prove that you're Jewish, or you're this or you're that. You know, it, it's not even about that. It's about your faith. Right. It's about the calling uh, that God has on your life. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I saw a picture of a Japanese contingency of, of an ethnic group of Japanese uh, in the parade for the, you know, uh, for tabernacles for the Christian embassy, uh, international Christian embassy in Jerusalem. And uh, they had a sign that says, we believe in the Torah. Yeah. You know? Japan, and, huh? And I think, wow, that's incredible. That is awesome. So just think about it, everybody. You know, this is this is what's happening, you know, and we know that we hear the false teaching of replacement theology and the church has replaced the Jews and all this. This is all false. What we're uncovering to you is what the Word says, what the Torah says, what the New Testament says, and, and it makes perfect sense, I mean, if you think about it. So now as we get into... Uh, Genesis chapter 16, we have, of course, uh, Hagar and Ishmael, this story unfolding, which is very important. Uh, what did Sarai do with her Egyptian handmaid from Egypt, and what was the end result, Ryan? Well, so after 10 years in Canaan, Sarai gave Hagar to Abram for a wife, and she conceived, but the reason was because she hadn't conceived, so it was this conversation between them. And, it, uh, and so it's, it's unfortunate because... You know, Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar, and Hagar ended up um, leaving and going into the wilderness, and she ends up by a fountain on the way to Shur. And the angel of the Lord instructs Hagar to go back to her mistress, Sarai, and submit. So imagine that, right? So, you know, she goes out to um, this fountain that she finds, I'm I'm guessing in some sort of an oasis, and the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, oh, no, uh, you need to go back. And so the angel of the Lord told Hagar that her seed would multiply exceedingly that can that cannot be numbered. And so this is Ishmael that eventually is born, right, and gets multiplied. Uh, and then verses uh, 11 and 12 in chapter 16, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt name his name, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And at that point, Abram was uh, 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So, you know, we have this term, birthing in Ishmael. Oof. Um, Don't do it. Now, Abram and Sarai were given the promise that that they would have a son together, that they would have a son, that they would have a son. Right. So Abram is the patriarch. Sarai is the matriarch. And then Sarai says, well, just go into my handmaid and make her a wife. Yeah. And we can have this son. Together. So you and me. Yeah, but yeah. see, but it's Hagar gets elevated to the wife status, yeah. Ryan. Yep. And so you're going to see this unfold because God is going to end up, of course, uh, blessing, blessing Ishmael. And, of course, as we, as we develop the story in Genesis chapter 17, uh, circumcision is the sign of the covenant. Uh, the name Abram means exalted father. Remember that. 
Abram means exalted father. Uh, the name Abraham means father of a multitude. So God is going to change his name from an exalted father. You know, that's how I felt when I had Josiah. I had Josiah. I was an exalted father. And then all these other kids came, and I had to change it to a father of a multitude. Yeah, you did. And, of course, the sign for the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. The sign for the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. And you are to circumcise all of your sons on the eighth day. Once again, this is the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, what's the sign of the no Noahic covenant, Ryan? The rainbow. The rainbow. Uh, what's the sign for the Mosaic covenant, Ryan? The Shabbat. The Shabbat. See, look at you. Good little disciple over there. What can I say? Now, uh, here we go. So the name Sarai, and I, it's S-A-R-A-I, it means dominative. Ooh. Now it's dominative. You know, she's dominative. You know, she scorns Hagar. Yeah, I know some dominative women. Oh, we don't want to go there. Yeah. Now, her <laughs> Sarah means princess, so her name is going to be changed to a dominative princess just kidding no but anyway think about that so sarah means princess so when god told abraham that sarah was going to bear him a son he fell upon his face and laughed he laughed you know now now abram abraham was a hundred and sarah was 90 when they heard the promise of a son being born to them now once again it's abraham and sarah you know the, it was those two that the promise was going to. It wasn't Abraham and Hagar. Remember that. The promise was given to two people. Okay. So, so what did God say the name of Abraham and Sarah's son would be? And what does it mean? Isaac, uh, which means laughter. Isaac means laughter. He's, okay, you want to laugh about this? That's going to be his name. Yitzhak. Isaac. Yes. You know, he's the child of the promise, right? You know, he's the only one that didn't have to go down to Egypt, and we're going to develop that story later. Yeah. But he is the child of the promise. You know, it's interesting, too, because remember when John the Baptist's uh, father was told that he would have a son and everything, he, he didn't believe. And he said, well, you're going to be uh, not able to speak until the birth of this child, and you're going to be mute, you know. And that's what happened to, uh, of course, uh, I believe it was Zechariah. Uh, the father of John the Baptist. So a lot of ramifications here. So Isaac name means laughter. And of course, here's a great question. Which son of Abraham and Sarah was going to receive an everlasting covenant? Yitzhak. Yitzhak is going to receive the everlasting covenant. And we know today among the Muslims and the Jews that there is a fight for that position of the firstborn, that position of authority. Uh, Because of Abraham and Hagar, the the Muslims have declared it's Ishmael is the rightful heir. And among the Jewish people, they said, no, it's Isaac. And so this has been going on for thousands of years, Ryan, yeah. this particular fight. But what five things did God promise to do for Ishmael? Uh, well, God did promise some big promises for Ishmael. He says that he would hear him. He says that he would bless him, make him fruitful, multiply him exceedingly, and make him a great nation. So uh, he was definitely not uh, left behind. Wow, and so Abraham was 13 years old, or no, Abraham had um, uh, Ishmael who was 13, and all the men, and they were circumcised. Once again, uh, we have Abraham, uh, Ishmael who's 13, and all the men were circumcised. Genesis chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Once again, what does the name Ishmael mean? Doesn't it mean God hears? Mm. God hears. Ishmael. 
So we know that uh, Ishmael and, and Yitzhak are related, and this is what we're seeing unfold before our very eyes between, uh, you know, between uh, the Jews and the Muslims. We can see this fight being played out, and they are related. Uh, so here we have in closing, uh, Ryan, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Lech Lecha, Get Yourself Out, or even Go For Yourself, is, is another rendition of an English uh, translation there. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, all the way through chapter 17, verse 27, uh, what do you have there for your two lessons in so, this portion? So the seed of Abraham is the faith of Abraham, right? So what's cool about that is that because of our faith that we become the seed of Abraham um, and that we become righteous because of that faith. And so righteousness, uh, just a, a working man's definition, is right standing with God. And so... You know, Hebrews also says it's impossible to please God without faith. So it's like, you know, you're never going to have a chance at pleasing God without faith. And having faith in what Abraham did and what, um, I'm sorry, in what God said to Abraham and then taking action on it, I think is a big deal. And it's something that we all need to do. And so if the promise to Abraham is, is land and the promise to Abraham is all of these wonderful things and the land is a tool for those wonderful things, then uh, I think we need to get on board with it. Israel is important. Um, you know, whether you have the revelation today or not, uh, just listen to what we're saying here. These scriptures are very, very clear that we've read to you today, that the land is important. The land is a covenant land, and we should care about the land, and we should care about the people of the land and the people Absolutely. of the Absolutely. For, for number one, I, basically what I've, what I've got here is God calls you out to bring you in. Yep. You know, so if God has placed something within your heart, it's to, it's to join up with others, everyone. It's not to be the Lone Ranger. It's not to be a renegade. No, God calls you out to bring you in, and that's what He's doing. He's He's putting people together. So you got to get up to get down. Together. God calls you out to bring you in. <laughs> got to get up to get down. And then, of course, last but not least, I love this. Yeah, Abram believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Oh wow, we kind of had similar ones there. That's right. I mean, Romans four three, and it's it's quoted there. But but you know, think about it. So, do we really believe what we're saying? Yeah. And faith without works is dead. Ooh, you're preaching now. I know, but what it's are you, just a preacher. I'm just saying that if if we are, of course, you know, doing the little checklist as we are uh, practicing the Hebrews of the Christian faith, we're holding to the Christian doctrine, and what we're doing is we're doing Shabbat, the dietary laws, the feast days. We love the Torah. We think it's relevant for today. And 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 like I said, these are just simple, simple, simple things that we can all do together. Yeah. You know, and so uh, if you want to wear Zit seats, you can. If you want to wear a kippa, you can. You know, I got a little maraca underneath my seat during worship. I play my little maraca. People have accused me of being Sephardic. But, you know, um, it's a way of expressing our faith, you know, and I think we just have to be careful that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, when it comes to the church and the organization of the church or the church government, because, you know, you have to have order. You know, to build a strong community and raise the next generation takes faith. You know, what is faith? But the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah. So it's so important that people are going to gravitate to confidence. You know, and even instructing the church or even the those that are not even saved, these truths, it's definitely a topic that people would want to hear. Yeah. You know, well, what's your take on what's going on in, in this election in Israel? What's your take on Brexit? You know, what's your take on these things? You know, I think from a biblical point of view, from the word of God, we can share, you know, uh, just like, you know, is the Brexit biblical? Yes. You know, God is a nationalist. Oh, yeah. You know, and so we have to look at the, the word of God and figure it out, you know, uh, 
we just talked about some, uh, geographically speaking, some dimensions here uh, about the, the, the borders. The borders. Yeah. You know, and so that's what God has created uh, with his people, Israel. He didn't say take over the world, you know, in the name of Yahweh. He, he said, here are your dimensions. Here's your land allotment and, and occupy and, and be my people. You know, and so that's what it's all about, everyone. And so as we develop the story of Abraham, it's really your story. Uh, and I just want to thank the country of Norway because it seems like uh, Norway's really tuning yeah, in. This like, last month they have. Yeah, they actually sure. are tuning in, and you guys are awesome, you know. Uh, the only time I get to go to Norway is when I get to go to Epcot. <laughs> and like I said, there's a lot of cool things happening in Scandinavia in that area. Keep the faith. You know, there, there's some incredible things happening. And we just want to thank Norway uh, and, and, and all of that, because like I said, as we look at the United States, that's where most of our listeners come from. And what's the scriptures or what's the prophecy? But I, I will call you from the West. Ooh. He'll call Ephraim from the West. Interesting. Uh, and so that's what we're seeing. But, but Norway, you're, you're number two as one, one of our listeners. So once again, we, we love all of you that are listening. Ryan and I pray for you. We believe in you. And that's why we're doing this, this whole podcast, Christians with Torah, so that God can get all the glory and we can share his word and his truth. You know, uh, so many people are opinionated. It's just, we're tired of hearing it. We want to hear the word of God. We want to share God's truth. And once again, you know, this particular Torah portion will start Friday night. Lek Lekha. Go for yourself. And then we go into the next portion of the next portion. And, you know, We've left the garden, we've got off the boat, and now we're with Abraham. Yeah. And it's, it is exciting, everyone. I've been in Torah for 21 years now, and it is so exciting to have his Torah. And I want to encourage you to read the half Torahs. Uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the reading from the prophets, and I do believe it's Isaiah, but you can find that for yourself online. What is the, what is the half Torah for that Torah portion? You know, Go back and look at Genesis and, and, and the first portion, Bereshit. Read that one. And then, of course, Noah and then Leklaka. Read the half Torah found in the book of Isaiah. It will really bring a light to, to what's happening today. Interesting, yeah. Absolutely. And that, those words, Leklaka, right? So it's, it's go for yourself, go to yourself. There's a lot of little things yeah. that you can look at those. Um, some interesting, uh, you know, insight that people have gotten. So, well, praise God, man. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you know, we do. We love you guys. We pray for you. We appreciate you guys. And, uh, and I tell you that doing the, the podcast week in and week out on the tour portions is very exciting. I always get something else out of it, so I'm hoping that you guys are getting something out of it as well. Um, if you want to reach out to me uh, or Pastor Nick, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. Um, if you want to live stream the services, you can do it at twopraise.net, or uh, you can uh, go to any of our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, so on and so forth. And uh, if you want to give, go to the website, twopraise.net. Just make sure you put in the memo that you're giving towards the podcast. And then uh, if you want any resources or anything like that, you can call the office, 813-654-2222. We love you. We praise God for you guys. Have a blessed week.